Hello, Bridge family. Uh, it's good to be with you again. Uh, in case you don't know, I'm Heath Haynes. I'm one of our elders here at the Bridge Montrose, and I'm grateful for the chance just to spend some time uh, with you in Philippians and pray that this leads to some fruitful time with you in your house churches. Uh, so let me just go ahead and pray for us, and we'll we'll get to Philippians. God, I just want to surrender this time to you, Lord, uh, for each one of us. Lord, for me right now as I am um, just giving this teaching and recording it, Lord, for those that are listening whenever and wherever they are listening, God, I just pray that you would still our hearts and our minds, God. Lord, that you would help us to uh, come into this moment, Lord, not trying to escape um, the realities of life, not trying to escape lord um just all the things that, that that kind of pile up but lord bringing them all to you uh, bringing them all to this moment lord um lord that we could we could understand our life lord um in a way that reflects that uh, we under understand you our creator and lord that you are in our midst and so lord i just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds i pray that you would by the power and work of the Holy Spirit, God, bring understanding, Lord, to your truth and promises for us, God. I pray, Lord, just for a readiness of hearts and a transformation of lives and a liberating of souls and minds, God. Lord, all through the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus and all for your glory and our good. So, Lord, I just surrender this time. Uh, speak through me in spite of me. Uh, use this to... Uh, bring yourself glory. Use this to change us. Use this to unify us. Use this to to result in uh, the redeeming of your world in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I've just been thinking in recent days, um, you know, it's there is this sense that the world is changing. And, and, and of course, living kind of in these days amidst uh, the pandemic and COVID-19, there's certainly something there. But, but, you know, I think we sensed the world was changing um, rapidly before. But, you know, when you think about the world changing, it's often changing at the pace of kind of like looking in a mirror. Um, when we look at ourselves in the mirror every day, uh, we don't necessarily recognize uh, ourselves changing. But if you look at a picture of yourself uh, a year apart, you're like, oh, my gosh, uh, I've changed a lot, sometimes for the better, sometimes uh, for the worse. Uh, and so that's often how we think of the world changing. Um, but right now, uh, in the midst of what is happening, uh, man, the world is it just, it is obvious that the world is changing uh, at such a faster rate. Um, it's almost, uh, you know, it's almost just kind of constantly changing and disorienting. Um, you know, and I was just thinking about the impact of that, the effect of that, and in our humanity, uh, we we long for stability, we long for for stasis, we long for normalcy, um, and we often uh, depend on the stability of life to give us a sense of security. Um, it's interesting as we've looked at these last couple of weeks as kind of our, our leaders, our government leaders and such have been moving towards reopening. Um, I've noticed a fairly big response of people springing back to normal. Um, and, and, and it's interesting to me um, because 
essentially nothing our situation hasn't changed i'm not trying to be doomsday or anything it's just kind of an interesting moment that i, I kind of feel like i recognized uh the, the snap back to normalcy and i think again we saw that snap back because there is such a desire for uh stability and, I, and it's almost like in seeing that step that snap back to normalcy you're kind of getting a glimpse of of like there is this this hope in that kind of uh, security, that kind of uh, stability of life. Um, but but w what I've been reflecting on is that um, this is a false security. Um, it's even a false sense of, of, of peace. It has to be um, because while I've seen people kind of have this great sense of relief, and I have as well, um, it's interesting that it's come when actually nothing's really changed. Um, there is still um, there is still the risk of of everything that was at risk two two weeks ago. Um, there is no vaccine. There's no herd immunity. Um, there's there is still all the same circumstances, and yet there's been this sense of relief. And and so as I think about this, I just you know I, I, this is not meant to lead us uh, to hopelessness, but it's meant to to help us think about where is our hope and our security truly where does our security truly come from because because what i know is this uh getting back to normal is not our hope and as i was thinking about that i'm you know i'm grateful for god's providence and we've been spending time in philippians and i feel like our text this week um is exactly for this moment and i feel like it tells us how we can stand firm in such shifting sands. Um, you know, I, I just want to kind of give you a heads up. This is a this is a holistic idea. It's not just a better way of thinking. It's not just a shifting of mindset. It's not just a mantra. Um, what we're invited into today is is holistic. It's all of life. It's spirit, soul, body, mind. It's everything. It's a better way of thinking, of seeing, of living, and of being. So if you've been uh, along with us as we've been studying through Philippians, um, honestly, this won't be new. Uh, we're coming towards the end of Philippians. This is a, kind of Paul landing the plane. He's starting, we've got two more weeks of Philippians. And so we're really starting to kind of bring it home. It's a lot of wrap up and summary, but I am grateful for the repetition as well as how simple this is. You know, Philippians 4, 1 through 9 is where we'll be today. And just Philippians 4, 1 kind of brings us to this moment of, of where is our true hope? Where is our security? And for Philippians 4, 1 says, Therefore, my brothers, and that's my brothers and sisters, my family, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And I'm so struck with this because there's this imperative, there's this command in there that is forceful. It says to stand firm, but yet it's surrounded by such affection. I mean, this is Paul's loving exhortation to my family, to my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my beloved, stand firm in the Lord. And it starts with the therefore here. And so, of course, when we see that in the text, we have to think about what happened before this? What's the therefore, therefore? And just really kind of in one sentence, this comes straight out of what we looked at last week. And, and what we saw last week was that Christ 
is our hope for today and forever. Christ is our hope for today and forever. And so Paul is calling us back to that. And he's saying, hey, we have a future hope that is also ours today. And so with that, this is my hope for you. This is my prayer for you. Because that is true, I implore you to stand firm. This is Paul's loving invitation. His loving invitation is to stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the work of the Lord. Stand firm in the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Stand firm in the gospel. And this calls us all the way back to where Philippians started. Philippians 1.27 said, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel man i mean this is the broken record all throughout philippians right it's, we see we, we we see this throughout all of paul's letter the entire letter is wrapped up in kind of two great concerns of Paul, and that is the encouragement and unity of the body of Christ, the community of God, the, the local church, as well as the progression of the gospel. And they are so intertwined. It is not that here's part A, part B, they are just the same. And so when we see this loving invitation to stand firm, what Paul is saying, because we have a present and future hope, you can stand firm and you should stand firm. And so that it is right. You can and should and you can because he's saying we stand firm in the work of the Lord, not the work of our hands. We stand firm in our salvation, our hope, our faith. We stand firm in our assurance that God has done something in our lives through Christ that we could never have done. And then it's also stand firm in the work and the fruit of your lives for the sake of Christ the gospel. So we are to stand firm in our convictions, in our witness, in, uh, uh, in, in, in the truth of the gospel. Stand firm for the sake of the cause of Christ. And so our big idea for today is this, the pathway to standing firm in our assurance of faith as well as in the cause of Christ are one and the same. And that's it. And so I want to look at the rest of our text. And, uh, and, and so let's read uh, verses 2 through 9. So Paul continues after this loving invitation. He says, I entreat Judea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. 
So today we're going to see four truths from this text that show us how we can stand firm. First, we see in verse 2 and 3 in this exhortation, this encouragement to help these two sisters reconcile their conflict. Um, and, and just to make sure we see here, these two sisters, they are faithful women in the community. They are faithful leaders in the church. They are. He, he's like, I can attest for their salvation. I can attest for their witness. I can attest and give testimony to their faithful work and commitment. And he's saying, and, and there's conflict here. And so first off, we want to see if we are to stand firm. We have to, as the church, pursue relational unity. And if you think I talk about this too much, like, please see, this is here in the scripture. This is not me injecting this. And so he says, stand firm. And the very next thing he points us to is to help these two sisters reconcile their conflict. Help these two sisters who have a common call in Christ find unity. And here's the reality I want us to see in this. Um, conflict happens in healthy community. Conflict happens in healthy community. Why? Because, because it's no coincidence that the common picture God uses to describe the church is that of family. And we are a family formed of faith. We are a family of faith. We see that here in this text at the beginning and the end with this brothers and sisters uh, language. We see that there's family, but also we, we see it in Jesus uh, he kind of he, he pointed it out in Mark 3, uh, 31 through 35. We're not going to turn there, but this is where we see this picture of a family formed by faith. Our family are those who have the common call and faith in Christ. And so when we have this reality, you know, why is it so important that we pursue relational unity? It's because just as we have been given a new identity in Christ, that is naturally assumed by God in his design to exist in the context of a community. The church is always plural. And so we don't get to choose. Yes, like we have a compelling and God puts, puts up, he puts us in places for a certain time in a certain place. And we have the expectation that everyone in our church is going to be called out at some time. And we hold with open hands and we have sorrowful, joyful gospel goodbyes. But yet God places us and plants us and we don't have a choice because he forms us and forges us into a family. And so I pray that we can erase the mentality that we get to engage and disengage as it is convenient or as it is to our whim, but that we have been given this glorious gift of a community of the gospel, of a family of faith to walk in this life with for the sake of God's glory and our good. So we don't get to choose who we, who we decide to put up with. We want to erase that mentality. Pursue relational unity if you want to stand firm in the Lord. So yes, for everyone, part of our standing firm comes from us having a family identity and doing all we can to live in unity for God's glory, for the sake of the gospel. So in the rest of these verses, we'll see how clearly intertwined Paul's concern for encouragement and unity of the body of Christ is, as well as, well as his concerns for God being glorified through the progression of the gospel of Jesus. So verse 4, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. What we see here is that unity in the church starts with personal worship of God. This is holistic, right? It's whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do all for the glory of God. It's Romans 12, you know, where he says, you know, and offer yourselves as a living sacrifice unto God. It's the thank, it's the thank offering of your life. 
holistically. It's every breath, every thought, every compartment, every category, every activity. When the worship of God in spirit and truth as living sacrifices is the greatest concern of each of our lives, we do not need a common age, a common skin tone, a common economic status, and whatever other temporal category we tend to gather around to be bound together. It is, it is the common affection for a holy God and a common gratitude for the work of the gospel in our lives. It's the awe and love of God, and when we love God, we love what he loves, including one another and his mission. So we, so we need to see that unity in the church starts with a personal worship of God. Verse 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And I want us to see here, you are responsible to and for everyone in the church. You see that. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. This word reasonableness is an is a interesting word to translate, but we could kind of summary, summarize what, it, what it's trying to get at by saying your gentle and patient forbearance with one another. And so we see that as we worship God, it, it also leads us to, again, caring for what he cares for, it leads to us having a gentle and patient forbearance with one another when we see ourselves as sinners that have been made saints only by the grace of God and our faith in Christ, and we, and we find ourselves content in him, we'll be able to bear with the brokenness of one another. Man, we are messy, and I know it. I know I'm messy. I know I'm hard to put up with. I know I require a lot of grace, and I am grateful for your grace. And so it is our joy if we want to stand firm to pursue unity, to understand that unity starts with worship, and then to see that part of that work is you feeling re you being responsible for everyone else and also being accountable and responsible to others. Verse 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I just want us to see here our peace and hope from God for our hearts and our minds is not of this world. It's from him. Our peace and hope are from God not of this world. Verse 5 ends with this, this statement, the Lord is at hand, and we've talked about this a few times over the past few weeks, this already not yet tension, this reality that we live in the realities of God's glorious and good rule and reign through Jesus, what he has ushered in in our faith in him, and yet his kingdom has not been fully revealed as it will on the last day, right? We've, we've, we've talked about that. Matthew 28, 20, as Jesus' parting words, he says, this is the heart of this. He says, and I am with you always, here and now, forever, and even to the ends of the age. So this is our way to peace and hope is to recognize again what has already been given us in Christ. We are already fully experiencing the blessing of being under God's good and glorious rule and reign, being made heirs with Christ, but also that it is for today and forever. And because, because of this, the way to peace and hope is saying that in everything, through prayer, supplication, and with thanksgiving, bring our, our needs to him. Because, because why? Because we trust him. Because he is good and trustworthy because of what he has already accomplished in Christ. And therefore, we bring everything to him. So just the work, the, the, the step of bringing things to him is the step into freedom. Because when we do that, it results in a peace that surpasses all understanding 
Because in this posture, we are admitting that we are not in control, God is, and that we are lacking nothing no matter what because we have been given everything in what Jesus has done. I feel like I need to say that again. It is so good when we do this, when we bring our needs before God, who in, with all trust and thanksgiving, acknowledging who God is, it results in a peace that surpasses all understanding because in this posture, we are admitting that we are not in control, but God is, and that we are lacking nothing no matter what because we have been given everything and what Jesus has done. This means that your hearts and minds are not the source of peace. You know, what I mean by that is that, you know, we think that being okay with all of our circumstances is the way to peace. The, pe the peace that only comes from God is what guards our hearts and minds. God is the change agent. Not some different frame of thinking that comes from just you mustering up a mantra but it is from the heart and mind that is set on Christ. All by the work of Jesus Christ. And I think that's why Paul leads here in verse 8 and 9, uh, to stand firm, you need an anchor. And these last two verses are meant to be our anchor. This is the summary of everything. This is the gospel-rooted life. This is the gospel-centered life. This is the way to fullness of peace and purpose in our lives. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. There are two directions to this text. First, it is Christ toward you and toward me in all of creation. Christ has acted toward you in all of these ways. Dwell on that daily with every breath. Consider, consider how God, how Christ has worked towards you and, and what is honorable, what he's been just. He is pure. He is lovely and he's made you lovely. He is commendable and he's made you commendable. He is excellent and he's made you excellent. If there's anything worthy of praise, it's the work of Christ. Think about these things. Secondly, this should be the outward pursuit of your life. This is the focus of our life, our thoughts, our actions, our efforts. Are all, are, they are all to be these things. They are all to be able to be described as such. All of these things find source, their source in Jesus and reveal Jesus to the world. Whatever personifies Jesus is to be our aim, our delight, our comfort, our strength our remedy to every situation, our rubric for every decision in all areas of our life. And verse 9 brings us home. And once again, we see that our right belief must lead to right action. And we are to influence one another in that way. You know, God says over and over again, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Belief and love must lead to practice. Otherwise, they, otherwise it is not true belief and it is not love. To truly believe something means that your life has changed because of what you believe. To truly be loved and to love is a love that is expressed by action and not just by words or aspiration. When we share the responsibility and opportunity, we will experience the peace of God. And recognize here when it says you, it is not singular, it is plural. 
The you here is plural. It is always meant to be expressed, experienced, and carried out in the context of gospel community. The gospel community is a gift of grace that God uses to make his peace a tangible part of our lives. And guess what? Also to make his peace a tangible part of the lives of the world around us that needs to know the hope of Jesus. Why do we strive? Not to earn, not to achieve but because God's commands are wrapped up in his promises. We strive for what God compels us to because in them is our source of experiencing the peace of God that comes from Christ alone. We strive to make it our own because by grace through faith, Christ has made us in his own. We are to stand firm. We've been given a firm foundation to stand firm in, in Christ. If you're listening to this today, and no matter what you try, no matter what you turn to, you feel your life is built on shifting sand. Hear the invitation of God through Jesus Christ today. He is your solid rock. He can save you and secure you. Will you trust him with your life and salvation today? If you do that today, or if you have more questions, um, discuss this with your house church leader. Um, or, or you can feel free to reach out to us at connect at thebridgemontrose.org. Connect at thebridgemontrose.org. For those that are in Christ, where are you not standing on the firm ground Christ has given you? He is your hope and peace. This is where our hope and peace from God comes from, in Christ and Christ alone. Where do you have opportunity to use your presence and your gifts to build up the body of Christ and to love the world around us unto Christ. Let us worship together. Let us pursue unity. Let us live as a family formed by faith, standing strong in the peace and hope of God, living as lights that shine bright as the stars in this world, all for his glory, our good, and for the sake of the gospel. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Lord, for the work of Christ, and that in him I can stand firm. I stand firm in my assurance of salvation, God. Lord, I, it's not by my work, not by my hands, not by my confidence, but in Christ alone. And I thank you that he gives us a confidence. Lord, and I pray that in that it would lead to lives that stand firm for the sake of the cause of Christ. Lord, I pray that we would set our lives in a way that says, Lord, that, that we are satisfied, that we are content, Lord, that we are whole, Lord, that we belong, Lord, that we are, are, are loved. Lord, that we would not, that we would not turn to the, to the byways and to the, to the lesser promises. God, we thank you for all the good gifts of creation. We thank you for our abilities, God. We thank you for the things around us, God. But let us, help us to never turn to anything but Jesus. And Lord, enjoy the good gifts that you've given in a way that honors you and strengthens us and unifies us, God. So let us stand firm in Christ and Christ alone. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray you're well. I hope this uh, leads to an invigorating and, and transforming time uh, together with you and your house churches. If you're not in a house church, um, you can go to our website or email us at connect at thebridgemontrose.org and we can help you get connected. We're better together for the glory of God. Have a good day. Bye.